This is the latest episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, where we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies that can help you to build and maintain wealth. I am certified financial planner David Chuddick, and since 2005, I've been helping my clients to make the right financial decisions for them for the reasons that are important to them. So if you've listened to any of the last 120 or so episodes and ever thought you'd like to explore what it might be like to work with me as your financial advisor, email me, David, at ParallelFinancial.com. That's David at ParallelFinancial.com. My process is pretty simple. We can have an informal Zoom or in-person conversation for about 30 minutes. We can talk about what's important to you. Uh, We can talk about some basics of your financial situation, and we can decide if we are a good fit to move forward and what those next steps might look like. I hope that you enjoy this episode and the next several episodes as they will all focus on some of the uh, decisions and processes that new business owners need to take in order to get their businesses off the ground on the right track from the beginning. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chuddick, where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business probably noticed that recently our episodes have been kind of migrating more and more geared towards the business owners of the world. I love the business owners of the world. I love the entrepreneurial journey. It's such a, such an exciting, such a potentially rewarding, but also a, a lonely journey. So I want to be a resource to the business owners of the world, but specifically this episode is going to be a, a resource to the future business owners of the world. And we're going to be talking with uh, Patrick Pye today. So, uh, hey, Patrick, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, David. Yeah, yeah. So tell me just a little bit about your business before we uh, before we jump into the meat of the podcast and talk about how to fund a new startup business. Sure. Um, so a little bit about me. I've been a small business owner myself, so I've definitely been through the struggles of uh, not having enough capital or struggling to find capital or just simply not knowing about it. And I've also worked with a lot of businesses over the years as a business consultant, helping them with their marketing and customer acquisition uh, strategies. In 2021, um, I got really into the credit game is what I call it, and started learning a lot about the differences between business credit, personal credit, and really just things that we don't necessarily learn in school or anywhere else on how to obtain, easily obtain really uh, 0% 0% interest of unsecured funding. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So many people get into business because they they enjoy a trade. They enjoy doing something. They're passionate about it, but there's so much more to running and starting a business than just like liking a trade or, or being passionate about a product or, or a skill. And that's what I try to bring a lot of value to our podcast is, you know, how to run the business, how to start a business and and how to uh, sustain a business. So today's topic is how to fund a startup business. And, and 
And what I'm thinking of here, I'm kind of envisioning someone who who has a career, they have a good job, and they enjoy what they do, but they've always had that that dream of starting a side business that would ultimately replace their job and uh, maybe potentially make them uh, a, a, a large deal of wealth, or maybe potentially just help them to to spend all day every day working for themselves, building an enterprise, and um, working in the field where they are passionate. So uh, I reached out to you, and, and we're going to talk about three ways to fund a startup business. And you're going to tell us some positives and negatives of each one and kind of guide us in the right direction. So the first way, if you want to start a business, is to simply pay for it yourself, right? So I want to I want to open up a store. It's going to cost $500,000. I just write a check from my own personal savings for $500,000 and open up that store. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, kind of the positives of that scenario, the negatives. And one of them is probably pretty obvious. You got to have the $500,000 and, um, you know, how, how this can, can work in a situation where you're starting a business. Sure. Yeah. Like I mentioned before, having owned a business before, way before knowing about the credit game, uh, I ran a business with my own cash and it was money in money out. And even the, even as time went on and I made more revenue, it just seemed like cash flow was never enough. Mm. And had I known what I know now and, and seeing the big companies and how they operate, they really don't operate off their own money or their own stash. They use other people's money. OPM, OPM, right? And then the other thing that I've seen over and over and over are people start businesses. And this is why you really need a good business coach or service core of retired executives or something like that that can help you with a really, really good business plan. Because if you're thinking about starting a business, I can tell you with 100% certainty that what you think your overhead is going to be to open the doors and to keep the business running is not as much as it's going to be. There are going to be expenses. There are going to be liability insurances that you just never thought would cost that much. Workers comp, there's going to be inventory. There's going to be just things that you just could not possibly have anticipated that you'll need to pay for. And um, a lot of people get into business thinking, well, I'm going to charge less than the current uh, the current providers, and that's how I'm going to get my business. Well, kind of the current providers are charging that much because that's what they need to charge in order just literally to break even, if not make a make a little bit of a little bit of a of a profit. So and then There's the only other part one person who could be the cheapest too. That's right. That's right. And you can't be the cheapest and the best typically. So if you're if most of us don't have as our selling point, hey, we're the cheapest. Uh, most of us like to think that we provide a very valuable service and sell a good product, and it uh, maybe commands a premium price because it because uh, it deserves it. So, um, and yeah, so if you don't, you know, if you don't have the money to start a business, that kind of kills the dream right there. So that brings us to kind of the next one. Let's look at traditional. SBA, small business administration type funding, going to a bank and saying, hey, I'd like to start a business. Will you lend me some money so that I can start this business? Um, is that a good idea? Is that a bad idea? Is it partially good? What are some of the positives and negatives of that strategy, if it works at all? Yeah, it's it's definitely, I would say, partially good. You know, in uh, when I'm helping and consulting my clients, it's definitely part of the roadmap, but it's usually not the first step. And that is because typically with SBA loans, you're still going to need at least 
to put some equity down on your end, um, whether it be in the form of collateral, uh, tapping into your 401k, uh, and it typically comes at about 25% of whatever you're asking for. They're typically going to want more documentation as well. Sometimes they do have SBA loans for startups, but again, for someone that may be struggling with uh, capital, um, that might not be an option per se, at least at the beginning. Okay. Okay. And you're also probably, you know, if the bank is going to loan you a significant amount of money, they want to know that number one, you have skin in the game so that you'll, you're going to do within reason, whatever it takes to make the the business succeed. Um, And they also want to know that you have the ability to run a business. So if you've never run a business, uh, let's say you love baking cakes and you want to open up a bakery. Well, baking cakes and running a bakery are two very, very, very different skills. So they're going to want to know what is your plan? What is your um, management plan? What is, you know, how are you going to make this business work? And and sometimes you could, you know, that could be stopped short um, really early in the process if you don't have a good business plan. So so two items. Uh, first one is bootstrap. You, you pay for your business yourself. Not a horrible strategy, if, you know, at least partially if you have the money. Most people don't have the money to start a business. Uh, number two would be the SBA bank loan type funding. Uh, again, not horrible. There are some obstacles there. Uh, maybe some some ways that that you could get in the door, but if you don't have experience and if you don't have some collateral or capital, that may be a um, maybe a hard stop. Start uh, hard stop. Uh, what what are your thoughts just generically on taking on a partner? Let's say you need a half million dollars to start your business, and I'm someone that does have some extra money, and I say, you know what, I'll put up two hundred fifty thousand. You know, I have that kind of capital. I'll um, I'll own half the business. Uh, I'll be a silent partner. You and I can kind of uh, make some of the major decisions together. What are some positives and negatives of that scenario? I'm glad you you're covering all this because uh, you know the option we're about to go over will definitely not require any of that. But as far as bringing on a partner, and I've seen this a lot too. Um, Bringing on a partner can obviously be beneficial, but I feel like a lot of people fail in uh, actually making the roles very clear as to what each person is going to do, what gap each partner is going to fill. So a lot of times people go into these partnerships and they're, they're kind of not needed. They're kind of doing the same thing or they're getting in each other's way, which is kind of the, the problem when you're bringing in family investors or people of that nature is that you're sort of giving up control in your business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you're business partners, you're probably literally that relationship is probably in a lot of ways more important and more close than, than a marriage. So, you know, if you don't pick the right partner, uh, it can be really, really dangerous. I don't think it's quite like Shark Tank where you go and and, and Mark Cuban just uh, makes you an offer in 37 seconds for a couple million dollars on Mm -hmm. TV. So uh, it's it's a strategy that can work, but like anything else, there are some positives and and some pretty pretty big negatives. And you absolutely, if you're going the partnership route, get an attorney, have legal documents drawn up, uh, you know, have agreements, no handshake deals on on partnerships. So, 
Okay. So uh, we talked about um, uh, bootstrapping, paying for your own startup costs. We talked about traditional uh, SBA bank loans, things like that. And we talked about just partnerships uh, where, where a partner may have an equity stake and, and also have some decision-making pow power. Uh, you have a little bit of a less known strategy that I wanted to give you kind of the free reins to talk about from start to finish on how somebody can get funding to start and also maintain their small business. So uh, take it away on this, because I, I thought this was really, really interesting. Definitely. Yeah. So we've covered those two options. The third option would really be, um, and, and the one I'm going to be going over is how to basically secure uh, zero zero percent interest unsecured funding and this could even apply to you if you're a brand new business and before i go into the details <clears throat> kind of like a little disclaimer here uh there's two parts to making more money in business <laughs> and the first one would be choosing the right business or investment vehicle and the second part would be knowing how to access funding and capital to fuel that business or investment so for the sake of this episode today and the limited time I have, uh, I'm going to be covering the second part. And I'm also going to provide an ebook. It's not gated. I'm not going to ask for your name, number, email. It's an ebook you can access that will go into much more detail as to what we're covering today. Perfect. So, awesome. So yeah, my goal is to basically empower you to get the funding you need to either start or scale a business that you may already have. Uh, you may have started it as a side hustle and now you're looking to uh, make it a real business. So I wanna show you how to virtually leverage your personal credit to obtain up to $100,000 of 0% unsecured funding. And the reason why we wanna do this is, there's three reasons really. So. Uh, building your business credit um, will give you access to higher credit limits and higher spending power. So for some people may not know, but uh, the credit limits on the business card side will be anywhere between 10 to 100 times higher than the ones on your consumer side. The second part is you want to uh, protect your personal finances. So this is something a lot of people don't know too, but your business credit cards, I'd say about 95% of them uh, will not report to your personal credit. So a lot of business owners, they use their credit cards, they're using personal credit cards and their credit score is fluctuating up and down, up and down because of the utilization, which is a major part of your credit, what makes up your credit score. So that is uh, another big reason why you want, definitely want to get into business credit. And the third one is tax advantages. So we did talk, one of the options was use bootstrapping and using your own cash, but more than likely that cash that you're using is earned income. <laughs> and earned income is taxed, you know, and we can just kind of give a rough ballpark at about 25%. Uh, many people may not know this, but when you get a loan, a loan is not taxed and any interest that you incur from a loan is actually tax deductible. So those are kind of like the three big benefits. Um, there's also three myths I'd like to cover real quick, um, is that 
you um, a lot of people may think you may need an established uh, business. You may you may need to be in business for a couple of years to do this, and and that's not not that's not true at all. Um, we've actually funded clients where they they have an optimized credit score, which we'll kind of go over the data points here in a little bit. Uh, they're personally guaranteeing uh, these credit lines with their personal score, but they literally just made their corporation yesterday and we're getting them funded within 72 hours. Um, again, personal and business credit are reported the same. That's another myth. Uh, there's only, I think Capital One and Discover Business are one of the few business credit cards that actually will report on your personal credit. And the way my business is set up doesn't matter. So that is something super important that we're going to go over. But um, one of the things that people spend a lot of time in when creating an LLC or a corporation is the business name, mm -hmm. which sometimes they spend way, way much more time than they need to. But one of the important things to take into account is not having something that'll put you into a high risk industry just by the name alone. So real estate investments llc is just like a crazy bad example right like of what not to put on your llc and i always tell people um you know your llc or your corporation name essentially almost doesn't matter it could literally be like high enterprises llc because you can always get a dba down the road for whatever brand or or project that you're working on so with the business name, uh, there's a website called namecheck.com. Again, I'm just going to kind of go by this as quick as I can for the sake of time. The ebook is going to have all the links and resources, uh, but you also can check with uh, the State Department website if your name is available. Uh, the second part is setting up a business and deciding whether you want an LLC, C-Corp or S-Corp. And I tell everybody, I'm no tax expert. I'm an expert when it comes to funding. So you do want to talk to your accountant on what's best for you. For a lot of startups, an LLC keeps it nice and simple. Uh, and then the next thing you want to do is you want to, oh, and about the LLC, it, the cost will depend on your state. I know for like North Carolina, it's like 120 bucks for the year. Uh, the EIN is the next thing that you would want to do. And that is from the IRS website. And that is actually free. Um, once you have that, the the important thing is kind of establishing uh, a professional and serious appearance to your business. So you might have received a business card from somebody once and they have uh, patrickpie at gmail.com. And it's not going to be as professional, especially to an underwriter to banks, as having contact at patrickpie.com, for example. <laughs> so... Again, I mentioned all the resources on where you can get this for like the cheapest price. G Suite is a good option as far as getting a, a branded domain email. And you, I always say, if you want to get funded, you you have to be found, right? So social media account, a website, and you want to list yourself on these listing websites such as Google Maps, Yelp. Uh, there's uh, listyourself.net as well, uh, so that when you're actually applying for loans or lines of credit or credit cards, these lenders can actually look you up and see that you're a legitimate business. 
This is a great time to take a break from the podcast. If this is a topic that applies to you, maybe you have a job and you're thinking about opening up a business and leaving your job, that's a time in your financial life that you have a lot of financial decisions to make. So email me, David, at parallelfinancial.com. We can talk about, hey, how do you handle your 401k? Um, we can talk about how to replace some of the benefits and insurances that you might be losing and maybe some budgeting and all of the other issues that you will now be responsible for in your life. Because when you have a job, oftentimes a lot of your financial decisions and your benefits are taken care of for you. But once you have a business, uh, you have to make those benefits yourself. So email me, David, at ParallelFinancial.com. That's David at ParallelFinancial.com. And let's get back to the podcast. But if you have any questions too or something, because a lot of times I'm going through this like, oh, this is kind of just like the basics. And I'm absolutely. Mm -hmm. So once you have your LLC, uh, your EIN number and uh, your website and e and professional email, you want to have a business phone line. So that's another thing people do uh, when it comes to applying uh, for certain products with banks is they put their cell phone number down. Uh, you definitely can get away with it, but if you want to maximize the chances of approval, you definitely want a business phone line. And there are very cheap options out there as low as $10 a month. And sometimes even having an 800 number definitely boosts your credibility up a little bit. Yeah. And voice over IP is kind of the term there, VOIP. Uh, you can, you know, there's a lot of different sites. You can, you can go online and have a business phone number, I think almost instantaneously. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up because you can actually have that business line forwarded to your cell phone. So sure. it's not like you're carrying around two phones or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, once you have all that, you pretty much have everything you need to open up a business bank account. And that's where relationships are built. So relationships are kind of like the secret weapon to higher funding. Not so there you have your big banks like Chase, Amex, City, you know, and there's probably 20 or 30 of them. Uh, but what a lot of people don't know is that there are literally thousands of credit unions in the United States that you can join and, and have a membership with. And credit unions and the smaller regional banks actually tend to favor startups and small businesses. We're covering right now how to secure 0% uh, interest funding of unsecured business credit and oftentimes get you 0% interest uh, for up to 20 months. I'm sure you've all at some point received an offer in the mail for a credit card uh, saying, hey, 0% interest for 20 billing cycles or 12 billing cycles, something like that, right? Right, right. So generally speaking, kind of the first steps that you just talked about was just making your business the beginnings of a legitimate business, right? I mean, that's, you know, you get your your business entity, um, you're getting your business phone number, you're getting a legitimate email address, and that's kind of making the beginnings of a legitimate business. And now we're kind of getting into, well, how do we talk about maybe getting this uh, 0% interest unsecured funding. So this is going to be fascinating and I'm looking forward to this. A lot of this will rely on leveraging your personal credit. So as far as the requirements go for that, uh, I'm just going to go through a bullet list really quick. Uh, you want to have a 680 plus credit score across all three bureaus. So what I mean by all three bureaus, uh, you have three credit uh, bureaus, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. And you also for the sake of this episode, I won't have enough 
a lot of time to kind of get into the detail of it, but you do have uh, a FICO scoring model and a Vantage scoring model. Vantage is um, scoring model is the ones you typically have uh, access to for free. Uh, Credit Karma, for example, is one of them. Uh, you do want to uh, find out your FICO 8 credit score, which is what most uh, credit cards pull from. And you want to make sure that you're at least at a 680. Uh, so that's your score. But there's also uh, your credit report, which uh, I tell people is like your adult report card. <laughs> um, so you want uh, at least $2,000 in credit limits on the personal side. And if you don't have that, that's okay, because what you would essentially be doing is instead of going for a round of solely just business funding with credit cards, you could have a mix of personal and business. Uh, you want three or more cards with banks, and this could be in the form of debit cards, just some kind of relationship with them. Your utilization, you want it to be under 25%. Now, ideally, um, to maximize the amount of funding that you want to get, you want to be under 10%. And you don't want any derogatories on your credit report. So no charge-offs, no collections, no late pays in the last 24 months. Inquiries. So inquiries will pretty much stay on your report for two years, but after the six-month mark, they won't matter much. So you want less than four inquiries on each bureau in the last six months. Now, the great thing about America is that everyone gets a second chance, especially when it comes to credit. You can definitely work on repairing your credit, building your credit, and that would be a whole entire other episode. But a 680 is not a great score, it's, it's a good score. So it's, you know, if you've been doing okay uh, and you don't have any late marks on your credit report, and you've opened some accounts over the years, then you might be a good candidate for this option here. Okay. So the odds are, you know, a lot of people are at a 680 and kind of might fall into this category. And if not now, maybe with a little bit of work, they they could get there. We started the, the beginnings of a business. We've, we've taken steps to make it uh, uh, into a legitimate business, to look like a legitimate business. And then we've done some, some looking at our credit score and our credit report. And um, yeah, so we've determined we're probably above 680 and and a lot of the guidelines that you talked about, we are falling within those. So, so what happens next? I, I like it. Definitely. What happens next is once your personal credit report is optimized, uh, like I mentioned earlier, there are three credit reporting agencies, Equifax, Experian, TransUnion. And what we typically do, and again, in the ebook that I've shared, there's actually a resource there where you can see uh, which credit, uh, which credit reporting agency each of these banks and lenders pull from. When you're going to do, when you're applying for a credit card, uh, it's going to do what they call a hard inquiry on one of the three bureaus. So instead of just applying for one in a short amount of time, what we do is we maximize by applying for anywhere between, well, we've applied for up to 20 credit cards, uh, but that's because we kind of know what we're doing. Uh, and there's certain banks that will allow you to tap into multiple credit products with just one hard inquiry. But for the sake of keeping it per, uh, simple, and let's just say you wanted to do this on your own, you want to just consider one 
one credit application is a hard inquiry and you wanna essentially spread your inquiries out through the three credit bureaus. So your goal is to basically apply for two to three credit cards for each credit bureau times three would result in about nine credit cards. The secret to maximize the funding capability and everything is the relationships you have. So which banks you go with will greatly vary on what your like what current relationships you have right now, right? If you already have an existing relationship with Chase, then obviously, and, and a lot of times you'll often find if you log into the app, you might already be pre-approved for an offer. So you want to look at the relationships you already have. You want to make sure your business structure is good. And you want to make sure you build what they call a bank rating with them. The big banks have what they call a soft, a soft pre-approval. So you can basically check to see if you're pre-qualified without any harm. To you. Now, once you accept the offer, they will pull your, uh, they will pull a hard inquiry. Once you have your two or three banks for each credit bureau, you want to first start with the big lenders like Chase, Amex, City, and you want to uh, work your way down to the regional and credit unions. And number one, because uh, the bigger ones will tend to be a little bit more inquiry sensitive. And number two, you you have the option of uh, the pre-approval. So okay. obviously, if you're not pre-approved, you don't want to go ahead and apply and waste a hard inquiry on that. Sure. So you mentioned earlier that many of these cards have like interest free for 20, um, 20 cycles. So so I, I want to be devil's advocate because I, I love what you're talking about. But um, so after 20 cycles, what happens? So maybe maybe I had a 20 or 30 or $40,000 credit line and I've I've maximized that and I've needed that for for um, capital expenditures and just for for day to day running of the business. And for a while, it was really, really cheap money with small minimum monthly payments. And now we've gotten to that two year or 20 month mark or whenever the 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 zero interest is over is this potentially a dangerous time or, or what do we do at that point that's a great question so one of the great things about this strategy here is that six months down the road you could do it again uh you could fund another business too if you wanted to because you're uh the main thing you're doing is leveraging your personal credit once these accounts are open they're not reporting to your personal credit so let's just say down the road uh, you still have balances and you're approaching the 12 month mark, 18th mark, 18 month mark. Uh, I think U.S. Bank has up to 21 months of 0% interest. Uh, a lot of these cards also have 0% on balance transfers. Now you will have to pay like a balance transfer maybe. So in the case that you are maybe uh, you still have balance on those credit cards, there's a lot of things you could do. Uh, hopefully by then your business has cash flow that you can show and report. Uh, so one option could be getting a business loan. The other option would be to kind of run this credit stack again, uh, either through a different business or through the same one and doing a balance transfer on those cards with another introductory 0% offer. Yeah, you, you, could eventually, you could essentially do the, keep doing this for years. Absolutely. <laughs> So I'm an entrepreneur and I, I believe in the entrepreneurial journey and 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 I love what I do, but but what I do and what you do and what all business owners do, it does involve risk. So 
let's say that somebody listens to this podcast and they either engage your services or they kind of go out on their own and they 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 obtain some some unsecured 0% funding they had a great idea on how to run a business and for whatever reason the business just didn't work uh, we can probably find some statistics on what percentage of businesses never make it to the first 5 years because business business ownership is difficult um so if the business does not make it, let's be very clear though, what happens with these unsecured credit cards, um, whether they're still at the 0% interest loan and you just called it a day before you even got to the end of that term, or if they're at a point where there is interest involved, does the business owe that money and now the business doesn't exist so nobody owes that money or does the individual have to pay those credit cards back? I'm glad you mentioned that. So as I mentioned before, these business credit cards will not report on your personal credit. But in the event that you do default on it, that is when it will show up on your credit report. Because what you're doing is you're leveraging your personal credit report to personally guarantee the. It would almost be like uh, the simplest way to explain it, uh, co-signing for your kid's first car. Right. <laughs> Uh, if for whatever reason he's not making the payments and you're not making the payments, it's going to affect both your credit scores. And it goes the same way with a business. It's going to affect your business credit score and your personal credit score. Business involves risk. It just does. But business also involves tremendous, tremendous rewards. So definitely not discouraging anybody from borrowing capital in any way, shape or form to start or fund or grow a business. But I do want to be 100% perfectly clear that if this business doesn't work, this hypothetical business, you know, the owner's on the hook for that money. And that's just the risk that business owners take. So Oftentimes, when you look at a business owner who's been in business for years and years and years, most people who are not entrepreneurs, they say, you know, look at that guy, look at that girl, gal. They have this nice car. They they seemingly make, you know, endless amounts of money. They have, you know, a home or two or three homes. Well, what you don't know is they personally guaranteed the funding of the business and they had a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of entrepreneurs have been bankrupt once or twice because the first business didn't work. So, so just understand that the business journey is absolutely, there are risks involved and almost always is the owner personally guaranteeing uh, a loan. Uh, it, it, it's a long, long time before bank if ever, will give a loan to a corporation uh, without having the the owner sign a paper, basically saying, "I agree to pay this back if if my business um, if my business uh, can't pay it back." So, want to be perfectly clear on that. But other than that, I mean, I think that this is a great strategy for people to look at in order to fund a new um, a new business. So, you mentioned that you have an ebook. Tell tell our um, tell our listeners number one where to get the ebook, and then also if if someone wanted to speak and and maybe explore working with you on this strategy, getting some more personalized guidance, how uh, how that would work? Yeah, so the ebook you can find it at ein.credit/backslash/blueprint. Okay, and we'll put and that in the show notes and everything, so everybody can find it. But um, uh, that, that's a great it's resource. It's not gated. I won't ask for your name, email, or number. And at the end of that ebook, there is a button uh, to schedule a call if you if you did need help with the process itself. 
to kind of talk over your goals and come up with a funding plan. Love it. I love it. And I like the word that you use the, use the word funding plan, because all parts of a business need to be a thought out, purposeful plan. Too many people, uh, they think about that they like a certain skill, a certain trade, a certain product, and hey, I'll just open up a business because I like this thing. Well, you need a plan on how you're going to fund it, how you're going to manage it, how you're going to grow it. Um, how are you going to staff it? You, there's a whole lot that goes into running a business. And uh, it can be it can be quite overwhelming, which is one of the reasons why I try to bring so many resources for the business owners of the world on the podcast, because uh, the entrepreneurial journey can be overwhelming, but it can also be uh, one of the more freeing journeys that you can be on because you do have some control over your destination. So, Patrick, we could talk about this for hours and hours, and um, I think we just hit the the tip of the iceberg, and I would encourage if anybody thinks that this is something they'd like to explore, I mean, get the um, get the ebook. You're not even going to have to put your email in there, so Patrick's not going to spam you with 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 uh, several emails every day. But that that's a good starting point. And if it, it, it would only be the right thing because, like I said, uh, what we covered today, I feel like uh, is just kind of Sure. The very surface level stuff, the ebook Absolutely. will go into much more detail if somebody wanted to implement it on their own. Absolutely. And, th and then if they wanted to work with you personally, they could schedule a call and kind of uh, explore that process. So this is really, really cool stuff. I like bringing innovative kind of different types of solutions on the podcast. So this was this was very interesting. So I appreciate that. But um, but yeah, so you and I talked uh, in, in preparing for the show, uh, we talked about some of the things we we're going to talk about, uh, but I didn't tell you the last question that I was going to ask you, and I always put guests on the spot. So, <laughs> so as the weekly wealth podcast, we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies that can help you to build and maintain wealth. So I would like to know, Patrick, what is your definition for you, for your family, for your life? What is your definition of wealth? What does wealth mean to you? That's a great question. I think um, it's it might it's definitely going to be different for me than I guess for everybody. It's a little bit different, right? But wealth for me, I think, uh, equals freedom. Mm -hmm. The ability to do what you love and and be able to actually transfer it. Uh, I think wealth should be something that is uh, that is uh, generational, to say the least. I had a, a business owner friend that was very very successful. I mean, we're talking multiples more successful than than I am. And he said, uh, "Yeah, when you're an entrepreneur, you have freedom. You have the freedom to work eighty hours, but you get to pick which eighty hours you work." <laughs> so this is good stuff. I love it. Uh, tell us one more time the website for your ebook. Yeah, it's ein.credit backslash blueprint. ein.credit uh, backslash blueprint. Check it out. Um, if there's anything that's keeping you up at night regarding any money issues, also feel free to email me, david at parallelfinancial.com. That's david at parallelfinancial.com. I am always happy to do a 30-minute uh, Zoom or in-person or phone call to discuss any financial aspect of your life. And there may or may not be some next steps for you to take. So until next episode, we wish everybody a blessed week. Thanks, Patrick. David, thanks for having me on. 
The information contained herein, including but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other material obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. The materials are provided for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results.